Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. And we're rolling! Tony Quirk. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you coming in, man. Thank you for having me, Jim. We've never met before, so I really appreciate the time. I guess she said taking it on faith. If Andy can do it, anyone can do it. So I took uh, Petrowski on the other day. Uh, I got a lot of time for Andy, even though I uh, introduced him as one of the most hated politicians in Niagara. Uh, you might fit into that category too. Anyone in the Niagara region might fit into that category. The bonuses is that you're with the NPCA too, which is wow. So I get getting a lot of hate, a double hate, hate yeah. whammy, double whammy, absolutely. So and so I appreciate. Um, I'm just gonna get this up and running here. Uh oh. Um, this doesn't look like um, it's going too well. That's the Facebook Live. So hello to Facebook Live. We might have to restart this. Oh no, it looks good now. So. Is it working? Yeah. So right. thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. And, um, uh, and and like I said to you when you walked in, I said, you know, we haven't met before. I don't think so. But uh, so, yeah, thanks for taking it on, Faith, because, uh, you know, th- there isn't another platform like this in Niagara. And I've really been concerned and, and disappointed by the lack of um, objective local issue coverage in the media. We know that the standard seems to have a hard-on for a few groups or men and women um, making fun. Uh, and I don't, I don't mind, hey, you want to call me out for something I did? That's up to me to be a big boy and own up to it. But it seems like a, this identity politics or this personal politics is, is just run rampant. So, And then 610, you know, I want to carve on my boys over at 610 obviously i was there for a long time i love the station i mean i got so much passion and anyone that knows me or has seen anything that i do online or the passion just spills over and 610 is one of the loves of my life i mean i started at chsc way back in the day i you know i I joke uh radio was my first love and i love 610 but it just really frustrated by the lack of local content uh tommy hasn't done a, a a a local call-in issue for what he said the other day, three years. That hurts. Yeah. I don't care what Tony Quirk thinks when he comes on about Donald Trump. I do care more about what the callers think. So we've kind of lost that. So I've been quiet for a long time. You know, uh, I think my ego was bruised more than a little um, after running for mayor, uh, essentially just to keep Walter out. That was no secret. I wanted to expose him for what many probably didn't know about him going back to the chamber of commerce and that kind of stuff it's not personal um it's political that beat the shit out of me and like no other campaign ever has because not because i i didn't win because (laughs) i never actually ran an election where i thought i could win as a green party candidate or municipally or or for the mayor i i i ran to make sure that jeff won Birch, he's my guy. He's, we see eye to eye on stuff. Not so much anymore. <laughs> uh, that one hurt a lot. I couldn't believe that he pulled it out. And but I, I buried the hatchet quickly. We got to move on. And my life didn't end because Walter became mayor. Um, and you know now, strangely enough, I'm thinking 
Well, you know, I haven't never run for anything that I actually had a shot to win. You know, I didn't run for mayor thinking that I was going to win. My 500 votes proves I didn't put a whole lot of financial effort into it. Or I was there, not as a spoiler, but as uh, as maybe a functional piece of the conversation. I mean, I ran for the leadership of the Green Party in 06 because Elizabeth May and David Chernichenko were friends. And there was a small faction of the party that said, this isn't going to go well. These guys are going to hold hands all the way through. We're not going to talk about any of the controversial issues. So enter Jim Finn, and we talked about all the controversial issues. And I went all over the country doing debates with the Green Party. And uh, they haven't had a leadership race since. As, you know, a grassroots Democratic Party, the Green Party? Come on, please. This bullshit about having 75% and getting a free ride at every convention. Anyways, I don't want to make it about me. It is. It's Jim <laughs> Fannin Show. Tony Quirk's my guest. Thanks for tuning in to people on Facebook Live. This will be uploaded with no edits, no commercials later uh, with better sound. I'm not sure what it sounds like there, but the, these microphones are actually hooked up to another camera uh, that's uh, doing a better job. And that will be uploaded to, to YouTube later. We're on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, I don't know, all the pretty much all the podcast platforms. You can find us on SoundCloud, too. I see that uh, I'm pretty fucking sweaty there, Tony. Man, you're nice <laughs> and cool. And the host is a big, fat, sweaty mess. Uh, Tony Quirk's my guest today. Uh, I'm just going to read from from uh, your Niagara Regional page. And thanks for the bio. It sucked, but I do know what your uh, <laughs> your daughter's names and your wife's name and what you do for fun is now. Uh, Councillor Quirk, first elected municipal council in 2003. Served as, ooh, alderman. Remember when we used to call them aldermen? So you're on city council two, ward two in Grimsby? We still call them aldermen in Grimsby. Okay, cool. Old-fashioned. And you still got a volunteer fire department. We do have a volunteer firefighter. We, one of the best in the country. I'd want to, I'd like to look at that for everyone across the country. Again, for the what we're paying the firemen, nothing against the firemen. But man, we've been in... We could speak two hours about how awesome our volunteer fire department is and mm-hmm. the fact that they are now uh, certified as the training center for our volunteer volunteer fighters and a brand new house and too. brand new house to do it in cool absolute fantastic facility so that could be a whole whole conversation tony quirk well we'll have you back because i want to hit some other things and you got counsel tonight so we got to have you out of here in a couple hours it's only so. committee of the whole so i don't have to change oh, oh okay <laughs> yeah so we don't have counsel tonight it's just who, what committee it's budget committee of the whole there we're going to be approving our capital budget all right cool in principle so uh from 2006 to 2014 town council in grimsby and then served as the chair of the Grimsby Downtown Improvement Area Board of Management. And your personal life designs pollution control equipment Whoa. for industrial applications. I'm a green Tory. Wow. They almost don't exist anymore. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Uh, or they turn out to, they run for the Green Party eventually. <laughs> more and more all the time, hopefully. Um, previously, you served as an executive assistant at Queen's Park. I didn't know that. Uh, to uh, When Mike Harris got elected, I was working for the party, helping out, and uh, wow. I ended up working at Queen's Park for one of the MPPs there. Uh, Peter Preston was uh, was my boss. Uh, unfortunately, he just recently passed away, this time last year, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, great guy. Great guy to work with. Uh, taught me about putting the fun into politics. Uh, was a guy that was not worried about getting reelected. He just wanted to do the right thing, and mm-hmm. uh, Cost him a, a, a few uh, occasions where he probably said the wrong thing, but he always spoke his mind. Uh, just a great guy. Well, I appreciate your diversity. Uh, it's certainly you've got politics in your blood, I guess, because who would put themselves in the line of fire at the MPCA, the 
Queens Park and uh, the region and municipal is not always a cakewalk either, man. I mean, this is, you know, the most important level of politics for me is the one closest to the people, which is municipal. And that's why we'll talk about it later. But I wish the region would just fucking go away. I wish we'd disband it because we don't need them. You know, it's just another higher level further away. They're distant and... uh, you know, their solutions don't always match with what the municipalities think. I think there is a legitimate debate to be had about replacing the region with a series of service bodies, uh, local service bodies that would allow us, or service boards, uh, to allow us to get the economies of scale for things like water, police, and a few other things oh. where the cost has to be. Economic things. development. Uh, yeah, but we get to the point where... Uh, we are an extra layer of bureaucracy a lot of times. We're, we're two different eyes looking at two different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is a misconception about what we actually do between the local and the upper. And sometimes uh, the regional level of government is being tasked with doing things at the, the local level and vice versa. And it becomes a bit of a dog's breakfast. And the biggest frustration I hear when people call me is like, I don't know who to talk to. And mm-hmm. even in the town of Grimsby, each ward has two aldermen. So if one doesn't answer, they go to the other one. If they don't answer, then they go to mm-hmm. the mayor. And then you go the region all the way up the, the chain. But it, it is it can be frustrating knowing who does what. So just to finish out here, yeah. uh, thanks for that. Uh, Councillor Quirk has also served as past director for the Grimsby Chamber of Commerce. So obviously yeah, there's where your, uh, your conservatism comes in, being good with money. And uh, pro-business, nothing wrong with that. Treasurer of the Happening at the 40 Festival, okay, and past president of the Kinsman Club. Does that mean Kinsman? Does that mean you're Catholic? Uh, no, Kinsman <laughs> is <laughs> non-denominational. Oh, that's Knights of Columbus. Knights okay, of Columbus. Yeah. No, Kinsman <laughs> is the uh, only organization, service organization that is Canada only. Uh, Kin Canada is uh, okay. up there with Rotary, Lions, uh, all the other Knights of Columbus, but is the only one that is Canada-centric. There are no Kinsman Clubs outside of Canada. Oh. Served on the Grimsby Power Board of Directors. What's that? Uh, so Grimsby it has its own uh, local distribution company, Grimsby Power. Okay. I, I served as a board director. There. As in, in other words, the electric company. Okay. And the Grimsby Downtown Revitalization Task Force and the Grimsby Chamber of Commerce. So uh, I'm just going to run through this quick because I want to get to the conversation. But, man, you're sitting on a lot of committees, huh? Yes. So because well, they pay extra money to be on committees. No, they right? don't pay any <laughs> extra money to be on committees. But I'll tell you a little story. When you first get elected at the region, the clerk sends out a little package, explains the expense policy. Oh, or lack kind of thereof. Package, no, okay. It explains uh, what we do on our first meeting, and it explains uh, which committees you can join and which committees are there. So, <laughs> so you check, applied for all of well, them? Well, no, it says check which ones you're interested in. <laughs> and I'm thinking, as a first-time counselor, no one's actually told me, I assumed that committees were sort of assigned by seniority, right? If you've been there long enough, you get mm-hmm. your choice, and you just assume that's how it would work. <clears throat> uh, I did not realize till about halfway through the meeting that – they pretty much put anyone who asked me on the committees, like with the exception of the police board and, and the housing board, the ones that – all the other ones, you could basically put your name forward and they'd put your name on. So it's basically halfway down the list before I realized that you could withdraw at any time. But Corporate I will services. tell you this. As a first-time counselor, it has been a, a great learning experience to see pretty much every faucet of the uh, organization. The region is a billion-dollar corporation, and mm-hmm. – uh, being on all those committees has given me the opportunity to see corporate services, yeah. planning and development. You're all still on these public yep. health, yep. public works, yes. audit, yes. budget review, yes. Burgoyne Bridge Replacement Project Task Force, yes. CAO Recruitment Committee. I don't. Ho- I hope we don't have to meet anymore because we okay. just recruited our new CAO. So. Corporate Communications Subcommittee, Corporate uh, Labor La- Relations Strategy Subcommittee. Well, I should uh, say that you're chair and vice. Well, chair of the audit. 
Vice Chair of Corporate Services, Vice Chair of Burgoyne Bridge, Vice Chair of Corporate Labor Relations Strategy Subcommittee, Economic Development Advisory Panel, Intermunicipal Transit Steering Committee, the NPCA Authority, Procedural Bylaw Review Committee, Regional Active Transport Subcommittee, Smarter Niagara Steering Committee, Transportation Steering Committee Chair, and Waste Management Planning Steering Committee. Wow. That's a lot of time, man. It is. Are you running again? Have you decided? I will put my name forward to run for regional councilor again. Absolutely. And before we get started, I just want to give you an opportunity because we don't know each other that well. And again, thank you very much for the advanced faith, blind faith <laughs> coming in. Um, I always feel comfortable walking out. So if you yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, sure if TV. you could just take a couple minutes, take as long as you want. Tell us a little bit about you. And you know, I, I don't mind if you get personal. Um, I'm, I'm kind of, I want to know what makes you tick. I want to know like who your friends are, like, <laughs> like what kind I, of people, no you, friends, you know, what kind of people you hang around with? Like, uh, you claim to be hilarious. So you got to have a good, uh, sense of humor if you roll with Tony Cork, but just introduce yourself and kind of sure, tell us what kind of guy you are, what's important to you. Uh, well, I could start on a couple different routes there. I grew up in Grimsby. It's my hometown. So I'm a small town boy, uh, went to GSS, attended Mac, lived in Grimsby pretty much my whole life. Uh, persuaded my wife to move there when we got engaged, and so I'm now raising my uh, two kids, uh, Catherine, who's 14, and Finnegan, who's 12, uh, in Grimsby, and, and love it. So with all the uh, involvement that my parents had, my both my dad and my uh, mom were involved with King Canada. My mom was a cadet, a cadet. My father was a kinsman, a life member. So sort of that uh, Desire to give back to the community, serve the community, be involved, be a volunteer. That's kind of ingrained in my blood. So I do what I can around the town to help out as much as possible. Uh, now, um, what I, my dad and mom came over from England in 1969. I have a bit of a British background and British heritage and uh, love all the British humor. So I have a very absurd uh, sense of humor. Monty Python, uh, that sort of uh, take on life, the... Uh, respectful disrespect as it will uh, that's involved in a lot of those uh those flying circus cartoons i grew up with those uh real big sci-fi nerd geek whatever you want to call really? it I, absolutely like sci-fi like track and uh, Star all of it Star all of it Wars, yeah. all of it absolutely 100 <laughs> percent. Uh, i don't know if you saw when i rolled in with my jeep i've got my stormtrooper jeep covers i saw that it and, was uh, bright blue absolutely and <laughs> i conservative. <laughs> conservative blue i have been involved with the conservative party since uh 1994 so first provincially and then federally and and still involved to uh to a certain extent today so how old are you i am what year is it? 20, I will be 47 in December. Okay. My first election was 93 in Niagara Center. I ran against Gibby Parent. Okay. Absolutely. House, yep. which you probably know. Back Federally, in the day. absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I ran with the idea that I wouldn't have to do a thing. Uh, I was a paper candidate. Uh, the party, well, Vesna recruited me. Uh, thanks very much, Greg. Uh, scared the life out of me. And then Pete Marina from See How um, talked me into coming to the debate. Terry St. Adam was running for the Conservatives. Love Terry. Red Dog from <laughs> back in the day. My parents knew him when he was with the bikers. <laughs> um, Terry came up and said, Jimmy, what are you doing? Well, he was a little bit more explicit than that. What are you doing here? I said, I'm um, the Green Party guy. He says, no, really? Never. Oh, come on. I'll show you how this is done, right? Took me in to see how. I, th I don't know if Pete was the uh, moderator then. It was my first time. In front of a microphone, I drew the short straw to speak first. <laughs> they slid the mic over to me. 
and I went, my mouth moved, and nothing came out. <laughs> and I realized I was, I was scared straight. And I didn't, it's never happened since. I went to Toastmasters and did my 10 speeches and really got comfortable on the lectern. And then did a, a short stint at C, uh, CHSC back in the day before uh, it folded and conquered my fear of public speaking. I'm still kind of an introvert, even though I do a lot of extroverted things. So uh, never, I soaked the chair. And then um, coming down Forks Road, I remember I was driving my Delta 88 Brome, 1984 Delta 88 Brome, dual fuel. Uh, gas and propane, arms out the window screaming at the top of my lungs, steering with my down a gravel roll, just elation, like I've never been so high in all my life, over conquering my greatest fear. And I thought, okay, if that's all it takes to feel like this, I'm going to I'm gonna do more things I'm scared of. So I was the same way. I absolutely despised public speaking. Right up through high school and university, I was not a public speaker. I did not ever envision myself getting involved in politics. I was a math and science guy. I went to uh, Mac for engineering initially. And I did not uh, think that politics was even in the realm of what I was going to be doing. So mm. I am uh, happy that I can speak publicly. And I try to encourage with my kids because I know they hate public speaking. But I said, once you can speak publicly, sort of the world's your oyster because you never have to be afraid of getting up in front of a small group, a big group. Uh, my daughter is a reader at church, so I give her full credit for doing that. And my oh, son uh, has ran and won his position as the class rep in the the, the local or his local school. So <laughs> I, I'm saying, okay, you guys take that as far as it can because if you can speak in public, make yourself come across clearly. I mm -hmm. said I don't always do that, mm -hmm. but uh, there is a great opportunity if you can do that. Well, you do a, a lot better than some of the guys down at the region. I'll give you that. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of, I hate to say this, but I, I feel sorry for them when they get up there and they can't they can't get their ideas out or they're playing with stuff. And just, I mean, it's not theater. So it doesn't have to be perfect. Just get your thing out and, and sit the hell down. We don't need this filibustering and this, on, like, don't beat around. Don't say the same thing six times to the chair. The chair's busy. We got to go. We got a curfew. Um so, yeah, I got a lot of respect for anyone that does it, but I kind of feel embarrassed for them a little bit when, I, when I'm looking at them and they're, and they're going around in circles and you can see that they're nervous or they're completely red, their whole face, you know. So, well, I, I respect uh, what you all do, but uh, having, having a, you know, a voice that you can control and, and, and breathe through the fear and all that kind of stuff that you've obviously conquered already is, uh, is uh, admirable. So thanks for that. So, um yeah, I don't know where to start with you, bro. <laughs> um, well, we're, you started off with saying a, a couple things about uh, in your opening comments about you know people in politics and uh, personalities, and I going back to myself, I try not to take the personality take the personality out of politics. If we disagree on a policy, mm -hmm. I would hope that you know you can sit and have a beer and discuss the pros and cons of it. I like beer. I, <laughs> I have uh, often seen. And unfortunately, it's the case where people equate the person with the policy and then they dislike the policy, so they dislike the person. Or they question the integrity much. of the person. And, and we see that. We'll go again some conversation about the NPC, right? You, you disagree with the policy direction, so your lash-out argument is, well, then you're corrupt. Well, mm. that's, that's not fair. It's not just. Uh, but you try to have a conversation with someone, and if they don't want to hear your side of the argument, then you're saying, okay, you, you have chosen to make it personal. That's fine. We I, I try not to make it personal with anyone. I've, mm -hmm. I've lost too many elections and, and 
to ever take anything too much pers too personally. Uh, but I have, I'll take another step back. When I went to university, uh, I started when I was 17. Yeah, I was, I finished grade 12 uh, and went straight to Mac. So I was young to begin with and met a whole bunch of guys in first year university. We all lived on campus. Uh, we were all kicked off of campus at the end of that year, but that's a whole other story. The, uh, those guys I still get together with once a year. After 30 years later, we're still cool. getting together uh, on a regular basis. And they run the gambit of uh, political thinking. They run the gambit of uh, where they are in their lives, work-related, you know, family life, uh, whole gambit. And we get together. It's like no time has passed. And we have discussions. And, of course, a lot of it gets centered on me because I'm the elected one in the group. But <laughs> I take a lot of it on the chin. But I have one guy, we get into very heated, argumentative debates, but at the end of the day, we're sitting down and having a beer, right? We don't let it get personal, and that's where I think a lot of people who look at politics and politicians, and they automatically assume they're in it for themselves, they're self-serving. Uh, I think that that is a narrative that has been sort of festered by the, camp, the constant campaigning, and the constant campaigning plan is, uh, I'm going to run against you, you're an incumbent, so I'm going to tell you that everything that's going wrong in the, in the world is wrong. Everything that you're doing is wrong. You have done nothing right, and then I'm going to run and fix all those problems, right? So I'm creating the narrative, uh, which is what people who want to either replace an incumbent government or replace an incumbent municipal politician is to say, I think that everything you're doing is wrong, and they're never going to give any credit for the things that are going right. And often what's happening more and more now is that the media and the press are are picking sides and they are either enabling that narrative or they are um defending the indefensible because it, there's nothing to these sort of allegations of this the story mm -hmm. i find going to the region and you know even with all the committees i am this is a part-time position as a regional counselor is we go to the region and there is a lot of work that we get done we pass a lot of reports we get a lot of things moving none of it is sexy we we build roads we put pipes in the ground we um, try to spend the taxpayers money responsibly sometimes we and smoking in parks sometimes we don't do a good job sometimes <laughs> we do uh yeah that, try, we, we do a couple things majority. we do a couple things like that um <laughs> We do, we do good things, but they're not sexy, so no one covers it, no one cares, right? And then we do a few things uh, incorrectly. We go over budget on a uh, $100 million bridge. We go over budget on a, a fifty million combined, bridge. Yeah, combined sewer overflow. Mm -hmm. uh, and then that becomes, well, you're always going over budget. Well, no, if you look at our variance account, we'll talk to our public works, talk to our county, there's multiple, multiple projects where we've come under budget. No one writes those stories, right? Mm -hmm. so, so I think ultimately... Uh, we live in a pretty nice part of the world, right? People who live in Niagara come here and they choose to live here. We have quality a great place. We have a great quality of life. We have uh, great uh, recreation. We have uh, some great employers. We need more employers. Safe we have safe, generally safe communities. And um, people want to live here. So the two narratives don't always jive, right? Mm -hmm. And I always find with people who want to run sort of negative style campaigns you're wrong you're corrupt they really have nothing to offer because they've decided to make it a personal thing rather than a policy political discussion so you say okay well we're tossed the bums out i'm happy to be tossed out uh, as i said but if you're going to replace me what are you going to do differently what am i doing wrong in your eyes that you would like to see differently because I'm open to suggestions. I'm open to discussions. Often we'll get into very basic things. Like, for example, there is a group in Grimsby that does not want the GO train to come there. 
I made it very clear when I was running, I was supporting the Go Train expansion. Like this is something I'm very involved in. That's why I'm chair of the Transportation Steering Committee. That's why I'm very much behind the intermunicipal transit push because I know that those are small pieces in the bigger Go Train pie. Uh, so if you're running to not get the go training grocery, that's a legitimate policy discussion and, and we can have that, but it's not going to change my feeling on it. I know how important it is for Niagara. I know how important it is for Grimsby. Yeah. It seems like one of those things that really doesn't have a downside. Well, I mean, other than, you know, the guys that are complaining that we're going to put another track close to the, uh, it should be up on the sky, up on the escarpment, not down where the tender fruit land is and. You know, uh, so, tack it onto the side of the QEW so that we don't have to, I don't know. But uh, there's not many people that would disagree, myself included. So uh, I'll mass transit or, or effective transit is important. Well, let me tell you the downside. If you live in Grimsby and you've lived in Grimsby for a long time, which a lot of people have, and you see the changes, because our tender fruit land is gone. There's nothing below the escarpment pretty much anymore, mm-hmm. uh, even with the green belt that is significant in any way, shape, or form. Um, you see the greater intensity that's being mandated by the province. The now sixty percent. It was forty percent when we did our official plan of infilling, uh, meaning we have to have a forty percent intensification. It's now sixty percent. You see all those uh, high rises going up at Casablanca, mm-hmm. and you say, "This isn't the town I grew up on. I want to be able to see the lake. I want to be able to uh, see the escarpment. I want the nice views." Right. And so there are people who see the downside, and with the Go Train coming, that area is going to be even more intensified. And I grew up there. Like, I literally grew up at the corner of Livingston and Emily Street. I could – I'm 100 meters from where the station is going to be. That that area is going to change significantly. But at the end of the day, bringing that GO train in and making it easier for people to get to and from jobs is important for Grimsby to survive economically. Mm-hmm. We can't have um, – we can't have a town that doesn't have uh, the ability to get to, to work and employment. What's the argument against GO? Uh, the intensification that comes with it, right? Oh, okay. And a lot of people don't like that, especially in the small towns. But St. Catharines and Niagara Falls will probably do intensification it. too. So what are they going to be? There, there be is, there's too much infill. What, so and then you get huge, the great assessment growth too. So your taxes should be a little bit more stable if you have the intensification. Those are all great arguments. Uh, they fall flat on the emotional side of things. Well, of because course. you also look at even with uh, what's going on down there, we have been able to access a great amount of waterfront to complete our waterfront trail that the town of Grimsby would never be able to afford if we just went out and buy it. But because it's being developed, they can take that as part of their 5% parkland dedication. So Mm -hmm. we are now getting this wonderful shore-protected waterfront trail that is going to be connecting one end of Grimsby to the other. Paid by the Uh, developer? Paid by the developer. For the most part, the improvements, I mean. Yeah, and, well, the land's part of the five percent dedication. The oh, improvements are all okay, included. So you don't so, pay for that either. So yeah, so we are uh, we're very fortunate that that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, that's just one one issue. We, there's other issues that come and go where people um, we get some other issues where there's the pull push and pull between the region and the town. The um, the town has closed off two of their mountain accesses for truck traffic, so all the truck traffic is coming down the one regional road, Mountain Mountain Road and Mountain Street in Grimsby. And, of course, that's all truck traffic right through our downtown. We, and we've had accidents. We've had fatalities. We've had other issues there. Mm-hmm. So trying to get that rectified involves um, allowing for a permanent cross-escarpment route, which mm-hmm. will have to be uh, eventually at Bartlett Avenue in Grimsby. That's been a push and pull between Beansville and Grimsby for a long time. Where is it going to go? Where are you going to do it? Mm-hmm. But I think ultimately uh, – Bartlett has been identified as the proper route. The region is pushing that forward. There's lots of people in Grimsby who don't want it there. <laughs> so you say, okay, as representing you, I 
I can tell you why it's important as the Transportation Steering Committee uh, chair and tell you why it's important in the overall plan for the region, but that doesn't satisfy the people who are going to either have their homes expropriated or all that because this right. new route's going through. So yeah. okay. it's, it's tricky. So um, let's just dive in. Um, I, I'll just hit the, the things that I struggle with m- most. As you know, I'm a multi-time Green Party candidate. Well, um, I can understand why you Because I respect democracy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, there's, nothing, there's nothing better than voting for yourself. I know that you've experienced that before. But putting that X beside your own name, and, and I, don't, I don't know anyone else that can say that, pretty much any of my friends anyway. Um, well, let's just stop there. there. In the last election, municipally, Grimsby had internet voting, so I was able just to click the oh, extra side of my name. Oh, no, so, yeah. you can't do that because you need to take a picture of the ballot. Well, I, I took know a that's screenshot. Illegal. I took a screenshot. I know that's illegal to take it, but I always do it. I always tweet it out afterwards. Look at this. I'm looking for my, my last one. The last one I found was Jennifer Meridian. I'm looking for the last Jim Fannin one. This, uh, last time I ran, I, I did that as well, but uh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> uh, one time, the returning officer made me a photocopy. She liked me so much. Yeah. And she says, I'm not supposed to do this, but I'm going to photocopy <laughs> this. And actually, because I, I said, I want a ballot. Just give me a ballot. No, I'll give you a photocopy. And she blew it up for me and stuff. <clears throat> I got so crazy passionate about this um, thundering waters thing. Absolutely. And, and I know it's still going on. And and I, I don't, I, I'd love it if you just said, oh, hey, we we fucked that one up. You don't have to say that, but I mean, no, uh, just you know, we didn't we lobby. Then you didn't. got caught lobbying. Then you hired a, a blah blah blah. But I just want to go directly at the perception of conflict of interest or sure. uh, nepotism or what, whatever you call it. Um, the, the two things that, that I've got a problem with: number one, uh, Barrick getting hired from the board to the NPCA doesn't seem cool to me, and perception is everything. And so, then D'Angelo takes a leave. His company gets the contract to to come up with the, ter- the terms of reference for the position, and then he fucking gets the position. Like, so, I, I really can't. And then, not only does he get that position, he goes from the, the, the CEO of the NPCA to the chair of the region. Like, in, there's a little part of me, and I think there's a little part of a lot of people that are going – Hey, I want my little. I want my piece. Sure. I want my I, favoritism. I, how do I get on that board? How do I get a little piece? Of I this? can understand you know? that. So we'll start with uh, with a couple things. First of all, there's nothing untoward about a board member applying for a position in any board anywhere, municipally or provincially. No, no, no. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. We conflict do it. of interest. No, it's not a conflict. You're on the board, and you. That is you, not what conflict of interest you says. You benefit no, from any that position is not on the board. What conflict of interest says? What's so, it say? So conflict of interest says if you vote. For something, mm-hmm. if you vote for something or speak to something where you have a direct pecuniary interest, that's what is all about conflict you can of interest. Vote with the conflict, you just nope. say I'm in conflict. And no, I'm you don't. No, if you have a conflict, you don't get to vote. Oh, you don't oh. get to vote. I you don't you get just to, had to declare it. No, you declare it and you don't vote. And if it's okay. a closed so session means, item, no, no. Reasonable. So this is this is important to educate people because people have a misconception of what's involved with it. Mm-hmm. So again, we we go back to the fact that regional councilors are part time positions. All of them, except myself, I'm fortunate enough that that I've retired. Uh, is they have real jobs outside of politics. So. Um, there's nothing that stops anyone from applying for any position at anywhere, any shape or form, whether you're on the board or not. That's not a conflict of interest. What would be a conflict of interest if Dave Barrick then voted to hire himself, that would be a direct conflict of interest. So applying for a position, 
going through the interview process uh, with um, people who know you, absolutely, that is a benefit for sure. Uh, but, like but I'm sure I that, guess perception, right? I'm sure that there are lots of people who've gotten jobs because they know their friends and they're getting recommended, and that's that happens often in all industries. And it I'm not saying it's, everyone off, but references, especially when you're in government, but then references really references say. matter. So that's mm -hmm. the first part of it. Secondly, uh, I wasn't on the board when David was hired, but I do know from talking to people who were there, some of them are no longer on the board, um, they asked David to apply. It wasn't that David said, I'm going to apply for this. He was actually invited to apply for the job. So so that makes it a little bit more um, legitimate in my, my mind. If the people who were tasked with recruiting these positions were asking various people who they knew had the skill sets to apply for it, I think that is legitimate as well. So that's that's something that happens. You have it at boards of chamber of commerce boards. You have it at hospital boards. Uh, people who are on the board become the CEO or the chief operating officer. This happens, and it's usually because the people around the table have a certain comfort level with the person that they're hiring. So that's uh, that's and definitely legitimate. Yeah, fairly, with, uh, the guy that's on the board also has intimate knowledge of the workings. So of So the, there's the, definitely a subject matter expert. If you mm -hmm. are someone who is uh, managing the general governance of the entire organization, uh, and and you're asked, you know, what do you think is going right or wrong, you already know where the direction that you want uh, the board wants you to go. So it, it definitely gives you an advantage. So what do you think, guys like me who are fairly well educated, still and like when I read the code of conduct and it says. No member shall benefit from anything from being on this. And then I go, well, duh, that job is a benefit. No. Like, like so, again, uh, you, you, you have this problem, and, and this problem is being perpe uh, perpetuated out there, is that if you have someone who is voting for something that gives them a benefit, that is different than someone who earns a benefit by being on the board. And, in fact, David took a leave of absence to apply for the job, which is legitimate. Why, why would you have to do that? Again, so there's no perceived conflict or otherwise, right? So you take a leave of absence, you apply for the job, you get the job, you're not voting to hire yourself, uh, and you're not using that position on the board to get the other position, right? It's okay. So, and by the way, I got nothing against. No, no, Dave I'm just. Barrett I'm saying that there's but, people who want to make it into a, an issue that it is, and and I think a lot of it is is petty personal politics mm -hmm. more than it is actual real concerns. Because I will tell you, uh, in the time I've been there, I've watched David in his capacity as director of operations, uh, and prior to that, director of corporate services, uh, basically turn around our parks to the point where they're now making money before we've had to subsidize our parks, our four main parks. Uh, I've seen him implement the strategic plan and bring back, bring a level of professionalism in terms of policy, uh, human resources, um, procedures that were lacking in the organization beforehand. So no one can fault his job performance in any way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. So now what they want to do is say, okay, yeah, we can't fault your job performance because you're a consummate professional, uh, but I am going to fault how you got the job in the first place. Well, that's, again, disingenuous because... This all happened before the last election, and he got reelected. So people knew what he happened. He got the people in Port Colborne reelected him and sent him to be both a regional rep, knowing at the time he got the job at the MPCA. So I think if the people of Port Colborne are okay with it, I'm okay with it too. So mm -hmm. I, I wonder how much uh, people actually pay attention to that kind of stuff. And you know, um, you know, I just want to say I, I don't know Dave Barrick. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I know what I see of him uh, because <laughs> now I have to watch all these freaking council meetings because I, I want to know what's going on. It's yeah. not, you're right, it's not sexy, but I watch town council too uh, a lot of the times, and especially, you know, I've been known to show up and speak against or for certain things too. So, um, but I find myself siding with a Tony Quirk and a Dave Barrick and an A. Petrowski more and more now 
more so than uh, whoever it was back in the day, Brian McMullen, Debbie Zimmerman, uh, Stan, uh, Stan, Stan's a real estate agent, Augustine, uh, Dave. Um, oh, man. If, if you're just going to run for chair, stand up and tell us. Don't make every speech that you do a fucking campaign speech for chair because we all know you're running. And, you know, I know I don't know that it's a it's a big secret anywhere. Um, but, you know, it's funny because when Barrick, uh, you know, I, what I appreciate most about Barrick is his haircut because he wears a much more <laughs> aggressive hair than I could. I would like to wear it like that, but it's just a little too aggressive. He's got pretty good hair. Uh, I've heard the Pee Wee references. Um, uh, when I watch that stuff, and I've never met, I've never even seen Dave other than at council, I would just burn with anger. And I, like, I've got this thing, and I think I'm about the only human being that I know that will admit I'm trying to manage the hate that I was born with in my heart. And you know, when you just look at someone, you go, Pfft. like, everyone's got that. That is a little bit of hate. You like if Whoopi Goldberg opens her mouth one more time, it's not because she's black or or anything else, or uh, is she gay. I don't know. It's, it's not. It's got nothing. It's just I don't like her, and I've never met her. I don't know anything about her. It's not reasonable for me to have a heart on or a hate on for Whoopi Goldberg or Dave Barrick. But I'm telling you, every time I watch that kid, kid who's probably my age, stand up, my blood used to boil because I'm thinking. Nepotism, favoritism. He got the job by, you know, he's, you know, you know I'm, I don't want to get too graphic. Um, and then I think there's a little part of me that I'll admit, and I think there's a, there's a little part of everyone that says, "Hey, I want my piece. Yeah, no, I I'm, want my little. I want, I want a, I want a hundred fifty thousand dollar job that I didn't really, I wasn't really qualified for. Too. I'm not saying he's not because I don't know. So that's. But I think we all have that little bit of us. But now. I don't suffer with that so much. And I didn't feel it for Tony Quirk because I didn't really know you so much. And, and Andy, I think, is fucking entertaining, straight up. And he's always the brightest guy in the room. He's all, I don't care how many people are in that room, he's one of the most intelligent guys there. Now, that also gets him in a lot of trouble, and I get that. But I get a lot of time for a, a lot of you guys down there, but there's still these guys, and Barrick used to be one of them. He's not so much anymore because he's making so much fucking sense to me on the code of conduct, on so many issues where I'm like, Dave. Like when when a Jimmy Fannin starts agreeing with guys like Ben Shapiro, like I'm like, hang on a second. He's a, a like a, a, a not, not anything against Jews, but he's a pro life Jew. Like he's just not my 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 group of guys. But he makes so much sense when it's coming to this Antifa and the freedom of speech and stuff like this. And I don't share his political views. But I'm looking at a guy like Ben Shapiro, and when Jim Bannon starts agreeing with a guy like Ben Shapiro, who is an extremist on the right, probably, he's so fucking bright, though. How can you argue with him? And it's, it's the same I kind of feel with a guy like Dave Barrick I've come around on. Because when you guys were talking about Dakota Conduct, Selena Volpatti, again, she was on my show when we did the sessions on the river. I don't think I was prepared for Selena. She's bright, and she's no pushover. Well, you will not steamroll Selena Volpatti. And, and, I mean, this is what makes a politician good. When you can get a host like me that says, hey, what about this? And she says, I don't care. <laughs> we had an RFP. He was recommended by the, talking about D'Angelo, he was recommended by the hiring committee. Who am I to stand up and say, what? You, I'm not so, voting for that guy. So there's a couple of, couple of things I will tell, tell you. Um, when I sat down the first time at council, Selena is my seatmate. 
So I've got to know Selena quite well. My only real experience before at that point was when she ran against my buddy Bart Maves in the uh, provincial election. So I had no real, uh, I, I'm not prepared for the warm, wonderful woman who is. Was she become, liberal? Bart was conservative. Yeah. Okay, so they and literally ran against each absolutely. other as candidates. So I, we have a, a lot of fun because she knows I'm a died and conservative. I know that she's a bleeding heart pinko liberal. Um, but my, my, wife, my, <laughs> my wife calls her my council wife. Uh, so uh, she's, uh, she's a she's lot a, of fun. She sits beside you? She sits yeah, beside me, and she and I have... Except when you guys do this, do you have this, the chair cast uh, put in this thing where you all got to switch seats? That was Bob Gale. That was Bob Gale. We do that, we do that once a year, okay. and, and it's all go, random. Yeah. Well, you can hang that on your re-election campaign Absolutely. platform. Absolutely. Uh, oh, for chair. I'm sure yeah. he's running for chair. You put it on his chair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Musical, musical, chair uh, musical chairs. But no, Selena's fantastic. I love working with her, and uh, she and I temper each other a little bit. There are times when, as you said, you want to stand up and start raging at the at the world and and she's like let it die or i'll see her going to hit the speaker speaker button so really selena is this the one you want to speak to and she'll do the same thing to me so so we do have a good tempering uh thing and there are times when we we adamantly disagree on policy and we will debate it and we'll let the votes fall where they may and that's the nice thing about uh about the region then we go out and have a drink afterwards so she's uh she's i always say that it's it's good to have someone who will uh give you a gut check every now and then. Selena's my gut check because, as, as I said, she's a definitely, and she and I are not on the same side of the political spectrum, but she is a common sense person. And that's, I think a lot of what you're talking about is is trying to get to a certain level of common sense within the municipal government. And it doesn't have to be a left thing. It doesn't have to be a right thing. I've supported things uh, that are not necessarily conservative-minded. Um, but we're a municipal government. And I would say this, municipal governments are there to spend money. And all we ask is that all I ask of staff and what people should ask of a politician is spend it responsibly, spend it wisely, and don't take more than you need. And unfortunately, I see that happening more and more, that uh, mandate creep where we're trying to fund things that we shouldn't be involved in, or uh, it's there's a lack of respect for the taxpayers whose money it is initially, or we've got this money that was given to us a grant, now we've got to find a way to throw it out the door as quick as possible. And those are things that I think get the general public upset when it comes to taxes and money and, and over-budget this. And then, you know, that's, that's where the problem is. So if we can provide the service and a reasonable price that people know, and again, hopefully it's not the sexy stuff. You turn on your tap, your water works, right? Mm. You go down the road, you don't get damaged and, by a pothole. And you know what, just to, sorry to interrupt with yeah. your, your flow, because you're, you're, I love a guy that can talk. <laughs> You know, I, I think I was told you, I had to fill two hours. Uh, well, <laughs> you know, um, it's a fucking miracle when you turn on a tap and it doesn't kill you, right? You, you, it's a miracle when your light switch goes on and and lights come on. You think about where that water comes from, right? Lake Gibson. In our case, in Grimsby, it's Lake Ontario. Right. Right. So there's a lot of people are getting it from Lake Erie. There's uh, you guys are getting it from uh, from Lake, which ultimately is from the Niagara River. The fact that you can drink that and it can keep you healthy and you're not getting sick, that is amazing. And we have great staff no, to look a, after. It's right? a straight-up fucking miracle. Amazing. And you don't get yeah. how many people, how many, doesn't matter what they get paid. You know, And we all bitch about the, the, the taxes and we talk about the salaries of, of some of these people. And sometimes it's justified. But these are a lot of bright people that, I mean, we can't keep our car running or change spark plugs or keep our own backyard clean. But we're going to fix up the, the, the sewage treatment plants. When you look at our know. water quality reports that the region gets, because we get a report card every year uh, to say what, we are top marks across the board in our water quality for, for the entire region. And I think that speaks volume to, to the amount of money that has been the, the past. For the entire region, we get 
top marks. Who does? The region does. We provide the water. We wholesale okay. it. So yeah, top marks compared to who though? Oh, to the whole province. Oh, like, province. So okay, yeah, you so, said region. That's just sorry, sorry. Yeah. It, our region gets top marks for the whole province. Uh, and that's because of the work that previous governments have done to invest in their water quality. And we also, I mean, it's a twofold thing. Water in, water out. Waste out. We've got to make sure, sure that we're not polluting the place that we're taking the water from. So there's there's a lot of work that goes into it. It is going to be a big challenge for us right now because we are uh, have not invested as much as we need to keep up with demand and not as much as we needed to keep up with the aging uh, infrastructure. So that's going to be a challenge. And we're going to be talking about that tonight at our capital budget. What are we putting aside to make sure that our water system, our wholesale water system, is top-notch stuff. And I don't have a problem paying for water. In fact, I don't. I wouldn't have a problem if the water prices doubled because I think that we're not paying the true cost of the infrastructure and the labor that it actually takes to keep this stuff clean. Same with a, a hydro. I mean, if the true cost of hydro, you include the pollution, you include all the, like, it would be double. So, and, and so if you if you have a true cost accounting, Greg Vesna, thank you very much, a triple bottom line accounting, your prices on the dirty stuff, like your coal and your gasoline, and and as you get cleaner, they should get cheaper. And water is one of those. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna. There's already wars started over water. Forget oil. I mean, this is the most precious natural resource on the planet right now, only because it's so plentiful. And I, I, there's got to be a desalination plant coming for areas of the world where the ocean's right there. It's got to be a little bit more cost effective, but. I, I have no problem paying the true cost when it comes out of that. I don't like the idea. Okay, well you got to double because it's going out the sewer. But I know the sewer sewer from uh, how else do you meter the sewer water? So within the region, we actually do pretty close cost recovery uh, on our production. You think it pays for itself? We pretty much pay for itself okay. uh, in terms of operations. Our rates okay. are there to make sure that we we recover our our true cost. Uh, systems need to be. We need some redundancy because we need to replace one system with another while we're doing it. So these are things that are going to be going to coming online, and we're going to be talking about that tonight. Uh, Tune in live, 630, <laughs> Best Best TV out there. Oh, yeah. And I don't, uh, hey, I tweeted out the other day, uh, elected politicians, the microphone is not for you to practice your stand-up routine. You're not funny. And Tony Quirk comes in right away. I just added him as a friend just not long ago. He's like, I'm hilarious. I have seen no evidence of that so far. Oh, are you kidding? You haven't watched all of it. You haven't watched all of it. Oh, so far today. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. on my best behavior today. Just wait. Okay, good. Um, so, uh, and plus, well, you've only given me water, so how do you yeah, expect that, me to be funny and this with that? Is, like, uh, this is, no, this is kettle one I'm drinking, though. It's ricochet water because I don't drink tap water. I'm sorry, Tony <laughs> Quirk. Uh, ricochet water, the best water on the planet. I don't drink. Hey, I will drink tap water. I like the taste of Ricochet, and it's not RO. You know RO when they strip all the kelp and the sodium and everything out of it? This is like an ESL technology. I'm not sure exactly what it was. A NASA technology. The cooks scooped it up, and they're on Nehan Drive or something uh, for just a, a shameless plug. It's the best taste in the water you've ever ever had, and I'm glad that you're drinking it. I'm sorry I gave you plastic because that's just not fucking cool. A Ricochet water. <laughs> Well, um, I just want to make it real clear because you give me a solo cup, so it doesn't look like I'm sitting here chugging my, yeah. my draft beer. But... Uh, you, some of the other comments you were making about um, uh, the different politicians there and some that make your blood boil. And there are some that are, uh, we get, my big thing, we get accused all the time and it taps on my Facebook that we're self-serving. Of course, we are. Or corrupt, I heard you. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, absolutely. absolutely we're, we're corrupt, corrupt. Didn't last long. And <laughs> my, my feeling is this, is that I, anyone who thinks I'm corrupt, take your proof, go to the police, 
I'm an open book, right? Like I, we don't get into this to try to pat our pockets. And in fact, at the well, municipal it, level, it's, it's, it's pretty hard to do at the municipal level, as far as I can tell. Uh, but, at the, <laughs> but at the end of the day, um, the, uh, the whole idea of being self-serving, we have to be self-promoting. That, without question, that, that's part of the job, right? Otherwise, we don't get re-elected to say, Tony Corku, what have you done for me lately? You have to be self-promoting. Self-serving is a, is a little bit different because it implies that we're not there for the right reasons. And I think people start out always for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. I think you can become very jaded. I've only been at the region three years, and I can feel myself on times being a little bit jaded. Uh, we, we get bogged down in people who are pontificating, and we get bogged down in people who are trying to score cheap political points or people who are already planning their re-election campaign. And that's that. if it turns someone who's stuck in it off and someone who, who would respect it off, I can see what it would do to the general public while, while we're there. But ultimately, I don't think that people are corrupt. I think there are hypocrites among us. I we're all say. hypocrites. Yeah, Every single one but of I us. think I think what happens, and, and the thing that gets me more frustrated with some of my colleagues, is when they'll get up and stand up and say, you know, I've got to fight for this, this, and this because of these reasons, and then the following week they've completely changed their mind on a different subject and they're fighting against it. Like, but you were, like, can you at least not hold your principles? Like, let's stick to the same principles but, as but, opposed to just sort of like throwing it out each time. But right? you gotta like, have a, you gotta have time and respect for anybody that says I changed my mind. I've done some research. I, I mean, I, you sit beside Selena, so yeah. she's giving you the left wing of the argument. And and this is I'm I, so frustrated right now. And Donald Trump has brought this to the forefront for all of us. The the gap between the left and the right is huge right now, and it's getting wider. It, it was it, it it's never been wider than it is right now. And I'm learning a lot of lessons from Donald Trump right now. But here's the bottom line. The liberals have a personality type. And it's very predictable. Uh, uh, if you run them through the big five personality type, like the psychology test, they all come out on the same, they come all come out with very much the same traits. Openness and agreeableness. Not so much conscientiousness as the industriousness and, and the dutifulness and stuff like that. The conservatives are a total different brain wiring. They think about everything differently. They like their borders. They like strong borders. So their conservatives are mostly against better immigration policy, like tighter controls, where the liberals are like, nah, come on, let them in. This is, this is so common, and nobody really, very few people, I think, get it. The liberals invent the businesses. They're the artists. They're, um, they have inter interests and ideas. They're um, probably um, more prone to be an intellectual, teachers, professors, stuff like that. Not to say that the, the other side isn't, but the conservatives. And, and so these guys are the entrepreneurs. They start the businesses. They're the creative people. And then they run the businesses right into the ground because they don't have the personality type. The conservatives do. They have the personality type to run, to be managers, to be good with money, to be dutiful and industrious and whatever. And the bottom line is this. If we don't fucking talk to each other, if Selena doesn't say, Psst, eh, not this one, you know why? Or when you're having a beer, go, hey, you know what? That's bullshit. Housing this and that, blah, 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 blah. And then you go, oh. Like, did you ever have those yeah. aha moments? You ever come back to council and go, she turned me. So, or, or I've learned, and I've got a lot of time, and I, I like to put myself in that category. Yeah. I'm not always the guy that knows everything. I'm not the smartest guy ever. And I have, I, I have 
uh, a natural tendency to listen to people. I've had to learn to do that a lot because I talk a lot, and when you're talking, you're not listening. But I've come around on a lot of things to say, you know, oh, my left-wing position eh, is a little... It's a little stubborn and a little inflexible. And if we don't fucking talk together, the left and the right, we need two wings. Birds don't fly with just a left or just a right wing. I love that analogy. And we're good at different things. It's just like men and women. Oh, my God, don't get me started on the alt-feminist right now where everyone's hate men. We we got here together, okay? So, so let's let's just not forget that we yeah. need each other to move forward. So uh, I'll take a step back and say, yes, I have changed my mind. It's usually not week to week. Uh, I have changed my mind on certain reports and certain recommendations that come forward because we have a fulsome discussion. And I've changed my mind. I've gone into it with one plan and then listened to the debate. And I actually consider myself very flexible on these things because there are oftentimes um, reasons for it. Now, I will say I'm one of the guys that actually reads all the reports before I go into committee. There are few of us that do that so that... And you know there are guys that do that, and they ask the questions of staff, and they've read the report, and they're expecting an answer. Or there's guys that have not read the report, and they've asked and the question. And that burns you when they stand up, and you go, you it's fucking on, idiot. It's I, in the report. You've been here four terms. I couldn't say that because it would be a code of conduct complaint. But I will say that uh, there are times when I think, go back to the whole thing. I try, you try not to pigeonhole people left and right. Uh, mm. And I understand that, that this is the way things are going. But... Uh, you want to make sure that you have the best information in front of you. I'm one of the people who generally uh, puts a lot of faith in our staff to come up with good recommendations. But no, no, I don't. I disagree with that statement. I think we have good professional people in our staff. I think we have good oh, people. No doubt. Who, You've also who, got some. That's where the corruption is. No, no, no but let me just let me just tell you are. this. I think we have some people who are doing really good work within our organization. We are there as a governance model to scrutinize that work. And that means that we can look at the recommendations. And I've never been afraid to put forward an alternate recommendation or to turn down a recommendation because I think that even our staff can get into a rut and they see it one way. And mm -hmm. there's no other alternative to look at or they don't want to look at other alternatives. Or they don't have a sitting beside them or just straighten we, them up. Or if we try to get them to look at other alternatives, they don't want to go. It, it's not as easy to go that route. Uh, so I... I think that when you're sitting around the, the council table, you try to think you go in there with an open mind. Often, I don't. Uh, often, there's um, things that I have my fixation on, and I want to make sure that these things get resolved. Uh, but you, you have to have a certain amount of flexibility to get anything done, because at least even around our council, 31 members, right? We are not, despite what people will say, we're not along party lines, right? We have alliances, absolutely, but there are people that are working with each other to try to accomplish certain goals. That, but it's not a hard and fast rule. So you have to make sure that you have a working relationship with just about everyone around the council Dude, table, Dude, if you right? say that's not a hard and fast rule one more time. After <laughs> you screen every recorded vote that comes up, it's the same people on the same issues all the time. No. And you know what burns my ass most? Is when the fucking mayors vote in a block. There you got yeah. 12 unelected regional councillors who... With well, 31, so 12, you only need five or six more votes to carry the fucking thing. That's, you know well, what? They, they, if, if I had my way, if I run for councils. the region, I'll run on two platforms. 
One, first we take the mirrors off, and two, then we abolish the fucking region. <laughs> what do you think? Well, uh -huh. it, it would have to be a two-step process. But I, I think that they are elected in their capacity as mayors and regional councillors. They get there, get to do their... As mayors, yeah. Yeah, right. governance is a whole whole different discussion. Yeah, we don't even want to but, beat that thing to death. Yeah. And now that One Niagara is dead, and I know you're probably a proponent of it, but no, I, I hate One Niagara. I've never I had, like the 12 municipality. I, I've never had any interest in uh, One Niagara. No. I actually... Well, one of the Sorry, I don't know how yeah, to get yeah, you guys no, confused. Please don't. Yeah. Please don't. But my uh, my point with the um, I'm probably one of the only people who thinks that we actually need more politicians because I think we end up getting fewer and fewer politicians. They have larger and larger constituencies, and they don't know the people they represent anymore. And then you get right. Uh, so you you don't have as good access as well. You don't and that's have why I like that right. dual duty thing. Dual duty, double direct, whatever they call it. Dual duty, double direct. No. Yeah, what I a think... waste of time talking about something that will never, it couldn't even fucking, oh my god, so St. Catharines passes it, comes to the region, they rubber stamp it, they send it back to the for the triple majority, I was, did you know this, I was on 12 agendas, and, and I actually was added to 12 agendas to speak against it, it comes to St. Catharines first, and they killed it again, and I wasn't, hey, I was one of 12 presenters, yep. mostly against, and you know, I'm not gonna, you know, I, I did my part and put it out there for a long time, governance, and I was so glad, but now we've got a lame duck uh, mayor in St. Catharines that can't get anything done because the lines have been drawn pretty much like he's a vote short now yeah. to get anything done. So he's going to finish out his term with no with the support with, that, with the mean, will or support of council. Each uh, mayors, all mayors have to deal with that, right? Because mm -hmm. they, they have to make sure they have a majority of their council supporting them to get things done. But with respect to the dual duty in Grimsby, I actually have a seat at the council table. I can't vote. I can't make motions. I'm not on the council. But when they sit around the council table, there is a seat there uh, for, for the regional, regional councillor. Oh. So in the previous to this, in the old council chambers, there used to be a table. Uh, Debbie Zimmerman used to sit at the table. And then when they did the whole new council chambers, they made room for her to sit at the end. And now that I'm the regional council, there's room for me to sit at the end. So that uh, although I can't So you're not participate, the spectators of the media. No, you're no, actually no, no. I'm actually at the horseshoe. Okay. So I, I can't participate in debate unless invited to. I can answer questions if asked. And at the end of each meeting, uh, the mayor calls on me for any updates from the region or any commentary cool. and, or take questions from the council. Now, do you attend every... I I go. I try to go to every other one. Okay. Uh, again, with all the committees so I'm at the region, it's bi-weekly. Bi so I try to do one a month. Okay. Um, and then in the summer, they only meet once a month anyway, so I try to sneak in there as well. But, uh, but again, we have an open line of communication. I get along with all the local aldermen. If they have a regional issue in their ward, they call me up, they email me. And we try to address it as, as fast as we can so we don't have to wait for the meetings. The days of everyone have to call each other are, are gone, right? We email each other right away if there's right. an issue. And so I, we, I have a good working relationship. I can see how if you're a regional councillor who doesn't have that relationship with your council uh, or you have, you're at odds with some of the, the local council and some of the other things, I can see how that can be frustrating. And I can see how dual duty might be seen as a solution to that, especially in in say St. Catharines or even Niagara Falls to a certain extent, they could probably justify it there. Uh, but for us, uh, I think Fort Erie has a seat at the table for uh, member Nunziata, or Councillor Nunziata. I think uh, uh, Paul, Cor Paul Corbin has a standing item on their agenda for a report from the regional councillor. Uh, Wayne Fleet doesn't apply, West Lincoln doesn't apply. Um, yeah, so I, the different municipalities have, I don't know what Lincoln does, whether they have uh, a seat at the table or a table there for their regional councillor, or they just make them a, if they want to delegate, they can do that. So, and again, you have to have a good working relationship with your local area municipalities to make things work. But Absolutely. I don't think one Niagara is the solution. 
Uh, I've, I've never believed in that because I think that marginalizes the smaller municipalities that actually have, we have a pretty diverse uh, group of municipalities. They all have different wants and needs and, and different directions that they're going. And that's not a bad thing. It, it adds to our diversity. Welcome to our Facebook Live. Uh, people are watching in. Sorry, the phone's way over there. These microphones aren't for you. Uh, but you can text us in a question if you want to talk to Tony Quirk of the NPCA or Niagara Regional Council. I did get a email here. Real Estate at Team Niagara. Plug, plug, plug. I need to fucking sell a house soon or I'm not going to be doing this show much longer. Uh, we're commercial free. We're sponsor free. Oh, I want to say thank you to uh, Tyler Barron. These mics are about 1800 bucks each. These are uh, 414s. Well, it doesn't matter about that. AK, AKG. Yeah, I think they're... 414s or something like this. These are good mics. Tyler, thank you uh, for lending me the stuff. And Josh Mills, uh, another buddy of mine that lent me some gear to get this going. And uh, that iRig is doing pretty good. You don't need a whole hell of a lot of equipment to do this job properly. So Tony Quirk's my guest. You can Facebook in. I see a few comments here. I also have an email. Uh, oh, my gosh. There's a lot in you here. Um, <laughs> Don't so, tell me who it's from. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And I'm now waving to everyone saying, oh, uh, somebody just joined, somebody just joined. Because I don't think that when you come on to Facebook Live that it probably says you're here unless you comment like Allison and Peter and Keith did. Uh, it sounds like it's working decently. So Tony Quirk is my guest. If you want to ask him a question, you can type it in the comments here on Facebook Live. This will be uploaded to uh, YouTube. It only takes me about 14 hours to upload it in HD, but it'll be done probably today sometime. And if you watch it with the captions on... They almost always capture exactly what we're saying. So Tony Cork's my guest. If you got a question for him, you can you can blast it off to me here at uh, Real Estate at Team Niagara, or you can just pin it right in the comment section of the Facebook Live. Uh, Tony, just before we get rolling again, there's like, how is this freaking pole in the middle of my? I don't know. I guess maybe it's been there the whole time. Oh, we are getting some comments that i wasn't looking uh, uh, they're not coming up on my computer for some reason ah. but this is was not here before i'm not sure how it got there or whatever but ah, who cares okay. we'll take care of that later so anyways thanks for joining in tony uh just you know i don't want to beat mpca to death no, but we've got some we got some huge pr issues there and i don't disagree you know before i mean I used to have this problem with the NEC, and then the NPC, and then the NPCA. It seems like, like, what the fuck do we need the NPCA for? Why can't, again, it's like the region. Let's abolish this body, because they don't seem to get anything right or done. $11 million is their budget, something in that range? Yep. We got a billion dollars at the region. Now, I know that doesn't all go away if we abolish the region. There's some there's some serious costs yeah, to run things. It's just the governance end of it, and... The governance end of the NPCA has been a fucking abortion for the last little while. And, I mean, Sandy announced I'm chasing Sandy. He'll, he'll I, be on soon with me. But uh, I would say that's a pretty generalization in terms of governance. I think we've got a great board at the NPCA. I think that the NPCA, uh, two boards passed, uh, started a process to try to fix some of the concerns that they heard with the NPCA. They, we, they undertook a strategic plan process, largest consultation they'd ever done with uh, series of stakeholders, conservation groups, park users, 
uh, farmers, uh, municipal planners, a whole group of people out there, environmentalists, um, basically saying, we need to hear from you how we can make things better at the MPCA. And they heard, they heard loud and clear. And that strategic plan, again, was started in 2012, that process, uh, to start the 2014 to 2017 strategic plan. And what they heard was actually what you would expect to hear at the time. Uh, overreach of our staff going on people's properties without mm. so much as a buy or leave. Um, obstructionist uh, within our planning department. That that was if you wanted to stop development, go to put them on the MPCA because they'll make sure they're obstructionist. The MPCA has never stopped development of anything oh, other than no. ruining private people's lives. You got a fucking commercial winery. You're in like Flynn. No, that's not you entirely accurate. You changed the stream uh, downstream. Not accurate. Not accurate <laughs> statements. But that's okay. Uh, look, never let the that truth is... get in the way of a good podcast. Oh, so, but, you're but you want, a bad boy. You want me to hear people's hear lives have been ruined. Bob no. Mackey. Barnfield. Bob Mackey was NEC. So okay. that was absolutely not the MPCA. Okay. All right. Barnfield put fill in a wetland. And if you talk about the whole thing, that is the one thing you're not allowed to do, put fill in a wetland. And so in his case, uh, and we completely 100% agree with it, because this started, uh, the Barnfield started before I got on the board uh, and under the old regime. And basically, Barnfield said, no one told us this was a wetland, right? Because the map changed. The... MPCA gets their maps from MNR, Ministry of Natural Resources. The map changed and no one gets notified. That's a huge problem for us. Right? We're doing the same thing with the floodplain mapping. Mm. They started the whole process to change the floodplain, which has huge impacts on people's the lives. The floodplain on and, my dad's property in Port Robinson comes up six inches from his barn. And, it's going to be 3,000 years before that thing ever floods that high. And no one tells anyone when they're doing that. So we stopped the floodplain process and we stopped uh, going. We basically changed our mindset from compliance rather than conviction. It's not our nature to get conviction, but we need compliance. So on a couple things, we we are mandated under provincial law to follow Provincial Offenses Act, right? We can't just arbitrarily decide not to or pursue something. If someone violates the law, we have to pursue it. But we have some flexibility in terms of the accountability and, and do it. So for example, uh, offer was made, you know, please feel guilt, please plead guilty that you put fill in a landfill, right? we will actually restore it through our restoration program and help you get back to complying with this, right? That is the sort of thing that we're trying to do under the new board. That's not acceptable to some people because they, they didn't want to have that argument, right? They, they wanted to, to make it an issue. You try to be reasonable with, with some, and that doesn't always uh, come out the way you want it to. But again, we sell personalities within the NPCA. Mm -hmm. But... Well, the current board is moving former forward. Chair. Who was the former chair? Uh, Bruce Timms. Yeah, smart guy. Yeah, absolutely. He got the hell out of the way so he could get reelected. Sandy Annunziata, big dumb football player, maybe took too many hits. He's got big, big gonads getting up there and being the chair. So good on you, Sandy. And I don't agree with Sandy on everything, but I did chase him. He did take my call, unlike many other politicians. Well, not many other. Walter Senzik. Well, just, what are you afraid of? Well, I mean, Sandy, if you, if, Sandy is a great spokesman for the MPCA. He understands that there has been a mandate creep within the conservation authorities as a whole. Uh, but within our specific conservation authority, we get a huge mandate creep. I'll give you another example. Um, we, under our memorandum of understanding, uh, comment on planning applications for the region for their environmental issues, right? There's a whole section, Chapter 5 in our plan. We we comment, the MPCA comments on behalf of the region. Um, in the official plan for environmentals, it does say that we reserve the right to change the maps. Mm -hmm. We had staff at the MPCA 
who are supposed to interpret the p official plan and supposed to comment on the official plan trying to change the official plan maps. That's not acceptable, right? Mm -hmm. That is that's overreach, and that that becomes problematic as well. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the the reasons some of the um, the issues that are still there for the region to say, okay, let's rediscuss the protocols for the MOU. What do you want to comment on? What do you want to not comment on? As well as what should the the MPCA be working on? And ultimately, we comment if there is a provincially significant wetland or if you want to put a fill within the buffer of the provincially significant wetland. So there's a 15-meter buffer. So if you try to do any work within a 15-meter buffer of a wetland, you are allowed to do that provided you get a permit. And the reason why is so that our ecologists can go out there, make sure that the fill is not going to be uh, detrimental to the wetland. So that's the first thing. The second thing is slope erosion. That is something else that we protect. So if you are building on a slope, the MPCA gets involved because water flow, slope, downstream, all those things come into play. So those are actually the only two things that the MPCA is mandated to regulate, slope mm. and wetlands, and fill within a wetland buffer. So once we get beyond that scope, uh, then yeah, absolutely, there's been uh, reinterpretations of the regional official plan to the point where regional staff, planning staff, are not agreeing with the MPCA. Uh, we've had things that have been mandated down to the region from municipal uh, Ministry of Natural Resources. The ministry, the region is then taking those Ministry of Natural Resources and handing them off to the MPCA. And then the MPCA is commenting on them but saying, well, we want to hear back from the MNR before we give you the go-ahead. And it's like, it becomes a circular... Mm circular argument. So there, there's some frustration within the professional staff at the region about sort of the, the direction the MPC has, has taken. And ultimately, this current board that I'm proud to serve on has been trying to get that focus back in place. Here's what we are supposed to do. Here's where we can do it. We do some really good work within our $11 million budget. A lot of that is also spent on our parks and our passive parks. We have 39 different properties. Only four of them are revenue generators. Those four revenue generating parks, Long Beach, uh, Chippewa, Falls Falls, and Bimbrook are all um, great facilities. They need investments. They need more investments. They've been neglected for a long time. And we are investing money with the profits that we're making from those, those, uh, um, those parks. And that allows us to also do more work on our passive parks. Beamer Falls and Grimsby, for example, because we're putting up a new... new uh, so help me out here, platform. logistically. If the NPCA goes away tomorrow, what happens? You could Good get, and bad. So if the MPCA went away tomorrow, we'd have to find someone to operate our parks. We'd have to find someone to I'll maintain our parks. properties. Right? We've got four parks. Oh, okay, right, yeah. We'd need someone to but maintain the, our properties. We have okay. lots of past properties, including Beamer Falls, mm -hmm. Woods End, places where people can uh, enjoy the uh, nature on our own property. Um, we would have to find someone to maintain the regional beach because we do that for them. And we'd also have to have someone go and uh, start issuing permits for fill in wetland buffer or for slope uh, design. So you'd have to get another bylaw officer or planning staff to, to take care of it. I will say this, uh, a friend of mine just built a house in Welland. MPCA came out and said, no, you can't, you can't put the house there. You gotta put it here. He said, get down here. And the, I don't know what the frustration was, why they didn't want to come out, but they finally came out, did a site visit. He says, here's the trees where you want me to plant. This is the wetland. Where you want me to build? Sorry, this and it was low lying, and he would have had a wet basement, and the trees were no bigger than six inches around. Yeah. He says, "I want to build over there, where it's high and whatever." And they actually they turned it around, 
They let him build it where he wanted to on the other street because there was another thing. Oh, no, you can't go off that street. He was doing a severance on a big property in Welland, rural Welland, so, and had him come out. And I've never heard of the NPCA kind of reversing their decisions so before. So keep, keep in mind that we get our mapping data from Ministry of Natural Resources. They go over... But they hired project. high school students to fly over in helicopters. No? I, I'm just telling you, we get the maps from Ministry of Natural Resources, and we have found uh, repeatedly more and more that these maps are not accurate, or mm. the evaluation system has some questions on it. So um, we have been getting our staff to be more proactive in terms of about going out. And I'll give you an example, uh, again, how it used to be. If he had been said, I want to build my house here, the old staff would have said, you're in a wetland, can't do it, right? The new staff would say, okay, you want to build on this property, this part's in the wetland, this part isn't in the wetland, what about moving it over there? And then we don't even have any comment on it, or you just have to get a permit to fill in a, in a buffer of a wetland. And, and they're being trying to be more proactive on those things. There has been some backsliding on that, we get that. But at the end of the day, our staff are generally there not to be obstructionists, but to regulate, not, neither pro-development or anti-development. They're there to regulate within those two main features, right? Mm -hmm. But I'll give you another example, right? Natural heritage, right? Now, the big thing with Ministry of Natural Resources is uh, bat migration and species at risk with bats. So we had another developer uh, speaking to us, and they were saying, we, we went in, we looked at the maps, there was no environmental issues, there was no thing on the natural heritage on the regional maps, went in there and looked, and then uh, one of our staff came up and said, you've got potential bat habitat. It was a stand of 10 or 12 emerald ash trees that were dead. And they said, well, that could be a potential bat uh, uh, habitat. We need to now do a bat study. And so they were added this extra level of bureaucracy where the reality is is that those emerald ash trees should have been removed because we have this big program that's taking down emerald ash trees all over mm. the region. So it's one of those things, left hand not knowing what the right hand is, uh, being reasonable and being professional. And, and those are the sort of discussions that people have to have to see. Is that This is not being pro-development or anti-development. This is being reasonable and practical. Right? Why are we there? Oh, and by the way, that stand of trees wasn't on the map, so it was just arbitrarily added to, to the map as an environmental feature. So those are, those are concerning. Definitely, and I think it's it's an image problem more than anything. I think, and, and I'm not sure that the that the taxpayer is really feeling like they're getting their money's worth. And there's so, I mean, we've only got one pocket. It doesn't matter whether you're talking municipal, regional, provincial, or federal. There's only one pocket, and increasingly, the government just thinks that they can go to our pocket, and the budgets don't never get smaller. A zero based budget is how many how many uh, communities actually actually practice that, but. From a PR standpoint, whether it be Carmen getting a CEO job or whether it be, uh, are you guys suing Ed Smith or is that the region? Uh, we are, the MPCA is suing Ed Smith. Dude, how, how the hell does that happen? How do you use my fucking tax dollars to hire a guy that doesn't agree and speaks out publicly against you? So, whether, whether or not his report, well, I mean, you want so, his so let's, to So let's be clear. Let's be absolutely 100% clear on this, right? Yep. The MPCA is not suing Ed Smith for asking questions or disagreeing with us. The, Ed, the MPCA has launched a defamation lawsuit against Ed Smith because he... You think that's a winnable case, though, dude? Because he defamed a staff member of the MPCA, and and this is absolutely... This is what's in the, the lawsuit. He defamed the staff member. He, he, he defamed <laughs> the staff member. He made false statements within his allegations. He was asked twice to correct them. Asked twice, please correct these. We don't care if you ask questions. We, if he had corrected those issues, we could have answered the other questions. But unfortunately, um, 
He's a very stubborn individual. Uh, he decided that uh, he was right, absolutely 100% right, and was not going to back down. That's his choice. Mm -hmm. So the at the end of the day, um, you, uh, we're free speech supporters. I actually think that governments have to be held to account. I think people should ask questions, lots of questions. Um, I think you should try to ask them respectfully. But when you actually make misstatements and you misrepresent the truth, and then you're told, you're told that this is not true, you are shown proof that it is not true, and you still stand by it, unfortunately, the only recourse in those situations is for a legal recourse. And I have a lot of faith in our legal system. The legal system is going to determine, once and for all, whether these statements were true or not true. If the statements were true, he'll get an apology, we'll get a slap on the wrist, and we'll probably not get reelected. However, his statements are patently false. He has made repeatedly false statements. We've shown them how they're false. Uh, and he still won't correct the record. And, and unfortunately, those statements were used deliberately to defame an individual who was working for our organization and specifically to prevent him from getting a new job and a new position. So, so that is that's a, a pretty, that's pretty allegation there. Yeah, it's a statement of fact. And if anyone wants to sue me over it, I'm happy to be sued over it because mm -hmm. it's a statement of fact that I can prove. So, um, be very clear well, that we're not suing Ed Smith. So we're not suing Ed Smith for asking questions. We've never sued anyone for asking questions. I would never sue anyone for asking questions. Ed Smith is being sued because he made a statement repeatedly that was not true and deliberately defamed one of our staff members. And unfortunately, at the end of the day, that's not acceptable. Mm. Not in civilized society, right? And you know what? I just wish someone, if, if I make a mistake, right, and I say something that's not true, uh, and someone points out to me and says, Tony, you said this, and here's the thing. And I, I'm man enough to say, you know what, I'm sorry, I made a mistake, right? Mm -hmm. But when you stand up there and say, you know what, you said this, it's patently not true. Here's the proof that it's not true. Uh, and you still say, uh, you still say, oh, I'm, I'm standing by this 100%, I'm not backing down, right? Then, then it says, okay, you actually are not interested in the truth or answers, you have made this political. And he's repeatedly made it political since then. He's got up in front of our board. He's got up front in the council saying, we're watching for the next municipal election. We are watching, and we want you to know that we're all watching for the next municipal election. And he's not running. He's got no interest in your job. It, it doesn't matter. The point is, is that he's decided to make it a political discussion as opposed to actually having a state, a, a question of facts. And uh, get, get through everything else, right? The auditor general chose not to pursue any investigation with us, knowing all the facts, knowing all the allegations, um, because it was political. You mean the audit? The auditor general, yeah. yeah. So the auditor general has said, you know, this is political. This is not, they've reviewed, she had all the facts in front of her. She's reviewed everything. She's not going to, to proceed on anything because there's nothing, nothing there. We're doing our internal audits, our value for money audits, and we're finding things that we're not always aware of, and we'll continue moving down those paths, right? Uh, I... When I became audit chair at the region, we initiated the Value for Money audit program, right? The ones that led to the forensic audit in that way. I think it's a great program. All our programs should go through a Value for Money audit on a regular recycling basis because that's when you find things out. That's when you can say, okay, we look at big 50,000 foot level. Every now and then we got to dig down to ground level and say, mm -hmm. is the money being well spent, right? And that's what we're doing at the, the MPCA. And we're going to continue doing that. And we haven't stopped doing that because the auditor general said she wanted to do it. We're doing our own audits as part of our strategic plan review, and that will continue forward.
What about the lobbyist when it comes to thundering water? And I get that emotions are high on the NPC, especially yeah, sure. when it comes to thundering waters, yeah. because here you have an old growth forest. Uh, so, okay, well, hold on. We don't have an old growth forest. That's uh, the other misconception. PSW. No, we have neither of those things. So we yeah. just we, we, we have we have it on some of the property, but you mm -hmm. saw the aerial photos that were presented in Niagara Falls, right? In 1934, it was being farmed. It was cleared. These aren't old growth forests. These are only 60, 70 years old at the most. We have the 1950s photos, right? Big, huge here, clear areas that were farmed. So being very clear that it's not an old growth forest, it's not an old growth PSW. It is a mo more recent uh, feature. And that, again, people are making claims about it that are not completely accurate. The property can be developed. There's all sorts of area on that property as a whole that can be developed. There's whole sorts of areas that are outside the current PSW mapping. There's whole sorts of areas that are open for logging, wood, wood management, managed forest. There's all sorts of parts on that property. It's not homogenous, right? The issue is the province set out a white paper saying we would like your feedback on biodiversity offsetting, which is a uh, policy procedure that's included in the current makeup. You can do biodiversity offsetting now, right, as a last line of, of options. Last line, yeah. yeah. So they wanted commentary on it. And they basically said we are working on a no net loss Thing. So if you want a biodiversity offset here, take an equal amount, put it here, and we consider it no net loss. The MPCA stood up and said, no, we will support biodiversity offsetting if, instead of doing one, you do three. Because in Niagara, we've seen a reduction in the amount of wetland. We would like to see an increase in wetland. If you go no net loss, you're not creating any new wetlands. Mm -hmm. So we said, let's do three for one. And we said... If you are going to allow biodiversity offsetting, we would like somewhere in Niagara to be a, a pilot project so we can show that it's possible. Uh, and we've already seen it repeatedly on the creation of wetlands across the province where it works. So there's really two, works. There's two uh, well, I was actually just on the Conservation Ontario Biannual Tour in, uh, last week, and we just saw a fantastic wetland creation at the Dufferin Quarry in, uh, in Halton. So that's actually a quarry. It doesn't get more bare bones than that, right? Mm -hmm. And they've created 106 hectares of wetland out of their old quarry. It's absolutely phenomenal. One of the most beautiful pieces I've ever seen in terms of wetland recreation. Absolutely gorgeous. And it's all, uh, it's all thanks to proper wetland restoration and management. Mm -hmm. So it can be done. Uh, it should be done. We've done a small scale with EC. You don't think it should be done there for the Chinese project. Is that what you're saying? It should be done there? It could be done there. I have no problem if it's done there, if it's done right and the science supports it. Right, so you have to so create. These are just emotional Birkenstock wearing tree hugging. No, I think there people. are people who don't want the development there, right? I, I, I have a, I have a bit of a problem because a lot of people keep referring to it as the Chinese development as opposed to development. So mm. I, I worry that there is a well, an yeah, undertone was, of undertone of uh, well, that was uh, racism narrative. to it, right? Yeah, like, the, like, oh, the wait, we don't want to do it for because of the, it's wow, the, the Chinese no, are doing it. But yeah, if it was Jim, if it was Tom Rankin doing it, we'd be all happy because he's a local boy, right? That's not okay. the issue. The issue yeah. is if you're opposed to the development, that, it shouldn't matter whether it's Chinese development or other development. That's a microaggression. Chinese <laughs> So, but, and in but I mean, if Jim went over there with the sole purpose to drum up some business, and yep. then he found this potential. Yeah, with, uh, the, with the premier, with the, and she was uh, she was involved with it from the get go. Too, and right? that was so, the narrative that yeah. he kind of sold to his soul, you know, which included a wetland, a PSW. Which now, I mean, it's just uh, so, much of it is optics, and I really appreciate yep. your your candor. And you know, I I don't know the. 
I don't know it inside out. I didn't yeah. camp there. I, no. I, I'm way past but my Green Party days as far as, you know, investing myself. But we've seen from the the storm surges and we've seen, you know, storms, 200-year rains coming in and stuff like this. These, these low-lying areas and these natural seepage and runoff areas and, and the salamanders and the frogs. And I, I, oh, geez, I, I get that whole thing. And I'm not, I, I don't believe in biodiversity. I, you can't recreate what God created as a wetland, if you believe in God. But, but we um, are recreating wetlands all the time because the amount of wetland on the mapping goes up quite, quite a bit each year, right? So we do see new wetlands being created. A farmer uh, puts a drainage pond in and leaves it and lets it go fallow. It'll create a wetland, right? So we do, we see it along ditches. Uh, we do it along drainage ditches. Municipal drains become wetlands. Uh, this whole area was wetlands before it was all drained to farm it. So wetlands are recreatable. We do recreate them. Um, but I will say this. We have a policy with smart growth that limits, and Greenbelt, that limits the growth and intensification of our, of our communities within their current urban boundaries. And when you have urban wetlands, there are going to have to be tools in place to mitigate the damage or, or the impact of further uh, growth. Because what Thundering Waters could do is develop the area that they already allowed to develop, mm -hmm. right? About 50% of the property can be developed. It's outside the, the scope, outside the wetlands. And what that could end up doing is fragmenting the other wetlands, in which case they could dry up, they could die on their own accord, right? Or they become, uh, I forget what the term that they, the biologists use when they, they become all incestuous and they, don't, they can't cross-pollinate. Or you could overload them with runoff. Or you can overload them with runoff. So there's, there's, there is a way to do and, and the GRCAN uh, proposal that was put out there actually adopted this three-for-one ratio. They were happy to, to conceptually do it because they felt they could make a better, more attractive project by doing that. So mm -hmm. I don't know if you've actually seen their, their plans when they were talking about them, but they were uh, very, very interesting. And they brought pictures of things that they had done in China for that very reason. China is not known for being one that's environmentally sensitive to anything going on. Uh, but this was a group that uh, that actually had some some input into how to make environmentally sound uh, investments in infrastructure and development. So if you're going to, you've got these competing policies. You've got, okay, no movement of a wetland whatsoever, and we're never going to satisfy any environmentalist if we move a wetland or we change the wetland. Uh, but we also have this smart growth policy that says we all got to cram ourselves into the current uh, uh, urban boundaries because we're all going to go up so we can save all this other green land. Well, so the green space within the urban boundary has to either be um, maintainable uh, or it has to be uh, adjustable or flexible. So there's going to be uh, there's going to be competing policies in, in place there to deal with that urban restriction. So what do you think your um, what's your solution for solving the PR problem? I mean, you know, the way I see it is, well, no, we didn't we didn't suggest uh, biodiversity offsetting. Well, actually, well, we found this email. Yeah, you did. And then you know, the whole of the but it's very you know, clear lobbyists. if you follow the timeline, white paper comes out. Province asks what your opinion on biodiversity offsetting is. We actually respond, not no net loss, three to one. Oh, and by the way, the final result after all this and all the attention that's been brought to it and all the other things, the province has gone no net loss, one for one. So they've actually ignored our suggestion for more wetland. So so that's where it is. But if you follow the timeline, is there how I address the PR? 
how I would address a PR issue is come talk to people like yourself. Not doing it in a 30-second soundbite at, at 610. You can't, do, you it can't do it unless you get in front or talk to people or sit down with them and explain the situation. And we can have policy discussions and we can have policy differences. And you may say biodiversity offsetting doesn't work. I can say it, it does mm -hmm. work. We do mm -hmm. do it. At the end of the day, uh, the answer has been, I disagree with you, so you're corrupt. Yeah. Which, I mean... That's just I'm, yes. I'm totally that's, corrupt. That's, that's ridiculous. So, um, or you're in the pocket of developers, right? Mm -hmm. I, I'm, well, there's been a lot of I history of people being in the pocket of developers. I mean, and I, I, I take at a, what level I, are they most corrupt? I take the municipal and regional ones usually. I, I take great pride in the fact that I self-finance my own campaigns, right? Um, uh, as I always say, I don't solicit donations. Um, if they come, I deposit them. But I've never ever the, the maximum pay uh, a do a donation is seven hundred fifty dollars. You can't buy me for $750, I'll tell you that much. Mm. Amen. Speak to the lobbyist. Why? Is that an effective use of your tax so, dollars? Well, no, okay, so... Like, who are you lobbying? So, what are you lobbying? Lobbyists, there are lobbyists and then there's communications <clears throat> experts and there are people that do both, right? And there are people who we need to talk to about various issues, all sorts of issues. Uh, is a lobbyist... Um, uh, th there's certain things that we need to have access to make our position clear. It's just the reality. And and a, an effective lobbyist, everyone's turned lobbyist into a dirty word, but if you have the person who can liaise, who can be used uh, to make sure that you can get the meetings that you need, um, why wouldn't you, right? That's, we've, the region uh, required someone to help us with our, uh, our GOAT train uh, file, right? So we brought someone on board, basically looked after a lot of the heavy lifting on the GOAT train file. Um, make sure that we were in front of the right people, making sure that we can make the argument to the right person, making sure that our argument is being heard and follow up on. Um, I think there's a lot of people who want to use lobbyists as a, as a dirty word. I actually think uh, I have a lot of friends who are lobbyists. A lot of them are professionals. A lot of them are there to make sure uh, that they follow a set of rules and guidelines. I, I think there are some, um, some legitimate times when we need to have direct access to decision makers at different levels of government. All right. And then this recent uh, discussion with the region about what handing off some responsibility to them or whatever, and then followed up with the termination of eight employees. Hand, and handing back some record uh, mm -hmm. uh, responsibilities. So just there, bad timing. All of a sudden, no, you know staffers what? are gone. And, and I will the, tell you, I, you know, the I media, think the, or, is, it, the, the narrative has become out there. These guys are the frontline workers. These so, are the con conservationists. Yeah, and, and it's absolutely and they, not true. So here's here's what I'll say on that because it's not just the, the areas of responsibility that required. Let me give an example. Um, we talked about budget costs and budget expenditures going up all the time. We looked at our budget. I'm the budget chair at the MPCA, right? And we get a certain amount of money that we levy. We don't bill anyone. We levy. It's a, it's a tax bill. It goes on everyone's land, uh, mm -hmm. a property tax bill. And on that levy, there's about $450,000 worth of services that we provide to the region. And they include water quality monitoring, the tree bylaw, um, the water, children's water festival that we put on for the water department, uh, and um, I'm going to forget one now because I'm doing it on the fly here. What am I missing? Oh, planning. Planning. Commenting on Chapter 5 environmental things. Mm -hmm. So the tree bylaw. We have one staff employee uh, who we charge the region close to $160,000 for that one employee. He doesn't make close to that. So the MPCA profits from that, and it offsets our general levy. 
and that means that we further, the people of Niagara further subsidize the people of Haldeman and Hamilton because it goes on the general levy. So, but here's the thing. Our tree bylaw officer is there solely to enforce the Niagara Regional Bylaw. So when the our MPCA guy goes out there and issues a good forestry practices permit to a guy who's clear-cutting a forest, it's not the region that's issued the, the permit, it's the MPCA. And then again, oh, well, you're in the pocket of developers, you just allowed them to clear-cut a forest. We didn't. Our employee did on behalf of the Niagara Region. So there's one example, right? So there's, there's a guy, great guy, by the way. Uh, he's a smart forester. He understands that wood is a resource, and he has his degree in uh, forest management. He's, he's a great guy. Um, if he's enforcing a regional bylaw, he should be on the regional staff. So what we said was, these are things that we shouldn't be levying from. We shouldn't be putting them on the taxpayers. We should be invoicing the region for the services we provide, right? This is trying to make the budget more transparent, clear, and open. These are things that we should invoice you for. Children's Water Festival, um, huge event, Falls Falls. We do that because under the, the water department, they have a mandate for education. They kind of handed that off to the MPCA. The problem is they don't give us enough to have a full-time employee, but it's not enough work for just a part-time employee. So we said, you guys take that on yourself. We'll rent you the facility. You want the employee part-time, she can do other things at the region, but for that one event, it doesn't make sense to have, have her there. So you guys do that. Oh, and by the way, that amount comes off the water rate budget. It's not even on the levy. So it's, it's all uh, convoluted. Um, the planning and the water quality, the region has indicated so far that they would like us to consider continue providing their water quality report because we can do it a lot cheaper than they do because we do it as part of our other services that we provide as part of the Source Water Protection Agency. So that's one of the, the areas where the region says, no, you hold on to that and we'll do that. So I'm looking at it and saying, as a taxpayer, as a taxpayer, by the MPCA doing those services, it's costing the taxpayers an extra $150,000 a year to do that, and that profit is going to offset the operating uh, budget of the MPCA. So if you, Mr. Region, take those services back we're profiting from, you can do them cheaper if you want, you can keep it within your budget, but it allows me to, to clear out our budget and actually focus on our core mandate, uh, which is what we're trying to do. Oh, I think we beat that one. <laughs> I told you, you yeah, put me on here. You told me, you told me, get out of here by six o'clock. You told me in two hours. I said, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to fill it. I'm going to fill it. Um, code of conduct. Yes. Man, I was so proud. Uh, well, I'm proud of you. I don't, uh, again, I don't know you, but it's easy to be proud of somebody when you think they're doing something they should be doing. And I don't think the region is doing, a, you know, you say you're doing a lot of good work and I'm, I'm sure you're right at some level, but there's too much uh, responsibility on me to come and make sure you guys are doing the right thing or that you're not getting off track. And we've spent more time on uh, dual duty or double duty or uh, double director or whatever you want to call it that would never, I, I said this from the beginning, fuck that, it'll never pass. You'll never get Fort Erie, Wayne Fleet, Port Colbert, Niagara Lake, and all these small communities to come on board with this idea, just like the one Niagara. It's a dead duck, it'll never fly. Don't waste my fucking time. Two years we talked about it. St. Catharines, region, we've been batting this around. This integrity commissioner, same fucking thing, man. Nobody's broken any laws. Yeah, are you disrespectful? Yeah, probably the counselor should should know better. You know, even Brian Height walked out the other day and said something disgusting or something to S Selena. That was, it was uh, not sorry. 
was um, not Councillor Height. No, you're right. It Sorry. was Councillor Edgar, Sorry. and he did apologize. Okay, uh, and, right, and so there should be probably a little bit more flexibility. It shouldn't take a guy like Andy to get so far down the road before he goes, okay, I, I take plastic face back. I think plastic face is genius. I think it's hilarious. And, oh, come on, if we're going to be that thin-skinned, that the town of Pelham, the council, Pelham Town Council is filing an integrity commissioner complaint. That's not even... That's not even within the scope. Yeah, they're so, not. So they, they're, they're, they're a corporation. They're not. They, they're not eligible to be. So anyway, they, sh I, they I shouldn't have been. Able, that should not have been uh, go forward because the code of conduct is supposed to be individuals making complaints about individual exactly. counselors. or counselors. So uh, as, uh, counselors, I actually don't think. And as someone who has filed a, a complaint against one of my fellow counselors, I actually don't agree that we should be able to do that. I think we should actually be able to have recent conversation. You get uh, something new? this year? No, at the beginning of this okay. year. It was. I, I felt that uh, Councillor Augustine had misrepresented a decision of council in his blog, uh, and I I called him out on it, asked him to correct it. He wouldn't. So I filed it with the integrity commissioner. I said. This is not what we voted on, and the integrity commissioner came back and said, "Ah, it's politics, and and it's an interpretation." And I'm like, "But he's actually saying it differently than what we actually voted on," and and the integrity commissioner didn't care. But I just, but I will say this: I think the code of conduct could be one line. Code of conduct should be respect each other, respect your constituents, respect taxpayers' money, and we get to respect. And the problem we have with the code of conduct is that. Uh, it's used as a political weapon more often than not. There are absolutely times when councillors, uh, and, and to a certain extent, um, a councillor uh, has gone off the deep end and made inappropriate remarks. And you know what? If they're caught and called on them, they should be able to say, yes, you know what? I'm sorry. I heat of the moment. I apologize. Um, there are other times when people are using the code of conduct to try to dictate opinion. And that's dangerous, mm. right? Mm. And I'm not saying that there are opinions that are right and opinions that are wrong. I think there are people who express opinions who should not be expressing opinions. Um, but there are, uh, we're elected, people ask our opinion before they vote for us. They expect us to have an opinion on certain issues. And if I can't share my opinion with you because I'm afraid of getting a code of conduct complaint because you don't agree with my opinion, that's different. Um, if you're being disrespectful, that I think is a fair that's fair game. I think if you cannot have a conversation at the elected level and stay respectful, and I've lost my cool on occasion. I'm the first to admit it. I actually have a very <coughs> foul mouth when no one's around. Me too. Uh, That's or, great. <laughs> yeah, I know, but you're, you're doing it on the air. I'm trying to avoid that. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, there, it's, it's the lack of respect that I think gets people uh, is what people expect on the code of conduct. Be respectful. The problem is, is that the people who are making code of conduct an issue want to do it because they don't like a particular counselor. They don't like what a counselor has said. They don't like his opinion on something, and they've they've decided to make that the issue. Now, do some people? Uh, okay, let's talk about Andy. Maybe. Does Andy bring it upon himself sometimes? Yes, because yeah. Andy, you said he's the brightest guy in the room. He's very smart. It's he's principled, right? Um, He's practical, but He's his, consistent. his approach is the problem, right? The mm -hmm. problem is his approach. And I think he would be so much more effective, and I've said this to him multiple times, if you could just tone your approach back because you come across as disrespectful right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden everyone else gets their back yeah. up. And, and when you get frustrated, he's, uh, uh, he, he makes inappropriate comments and, and comments about various other counselors and, and gets caught on people here and they file complaints but i also think when we talk about the current code of conduct and we've seen it there is 
I've tried to focus it on when you're acting in your official capacity. And uh, there's going to be people that are going to fight you too. Absolutely, 100%. People are fighting you. So, and I use, I use the example a couple times, right? Um, I go to church. My uh, previous priest was very much against gay marriage, 100% against marriage, and often preached about well, it. Well, he's a homophobe. He's a hate-filled homophobe. Then. And and I shouldn't. And I could be a code of conduct complaint for attending that event in my in my church mm. capacity. Uh, that's problematic for me. I also think that give another example. Um, some of our counselors, if they have uh, a problem with their personal life, could a you know jealous spouse or a mm. uh, vengeful ex-wife start using the code of conduct as a political weapon? Well, that's not in your official capacity that these things happen, and you have to be able to justify that. Um, what what people are using to say, uh, say I use the official capacity to protect Andy, everything that Andy's been called out on, he's been doing in his official capacity because he uses his Twitter. He clearly identifies himself as a regional counselor. Not anymore, he doesn't. Well, he's, he's smart enough. Uh, like on my Twitter, I identify myself as a regional counselor. My Facebook page, I have a regional counselor Facebook page and I have my personal page. Oh, and I, you my just personal only page, add to people that you want on your I, personal On my page. personal page, I, I, uh, I share... Inappropriate jokes. I really let people know That's how many. I haven't got an invite to her. How, how many dates? Uh, how many days until the next Star Wars movie? Like I, <laughs> I, I put all my stuff on my kids, right? Like that's my personal page. And sometimes I get into heated debates, and you've seen them as on on, mm-hmm. on there with people, and I express my opinion. If they want to use my personal opinion and personal page as a reason not to vote for me, that's totally one hundred percent. That's like me getting into an argument in a bar and people overhearing the argument and saying, "Well, I'm not going to vote for him because he's such an a hole," right? But at the same time. Uh, I'm also not there in an official capacity having an argument with someone about, I don't know, beliefs or mm-hmm. church or God or whatever the argument is, right? Well, the, the appropriate way to deal with the refugee crisis. Those are things that I'm allowed to have an opinion on. Mm-hmm. You may not agree with my opinion on a lot of these, but nonetheless, uh, I'm entitled to my opinion. And if you don't like uh, how I've expressed it, it's not necessarily a code of conduct complaint. It's you. We really are looking for a way to encourage respectful discourse as opposed to uh, thought police, and that's what I don't think we've got to. Really. Well, and I think you might you might support this only because I saw you, the meeting where Selena and you had fifty six or fifty eight uh, amendments or recommendations or scratches or what have you, and the whole time I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, I, f- I find myself agreeing with people that I'm ideologically, politically opposed with. Normally, I don't see. Th- Things in the right film, uh, the right filter, the, the right political spectrum, the, the conservative, let's say. I'm, I'm a lefty. I'm a Green Party guy. So, and I don't know, social conservative, I don't know. Fiscal conservative, a little bit of socialism is good for us. We need to take care of people right the yeah. first time. Otherwise, they come back into the system and it costs them a hundred times. Well, if we just give them health care right in the first time, well, we got health care pretty, pretty down low. Um, so, and, 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 I get to talk to a lot of guys. I called Ed Smith a couple days ago, all right? Um, because I haven't spoken to him in a long time. I met him about a year and a half ago. He seemed like an a, a intelligent, reasonable, educated, uh, probably stubborn too. I mean, I'm, I'm that way too, and I think Ed would probably admit he, he, he's probably that way. I don't know. Um, but a good man and with a good heart, and, and there's so much emotion here. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter if you're talking NPCA or uh, Bill Argument. Andy's a bum. Well, thanks, Bill. I mean, that, that's uh, thanks for contributing yeah, to that, the conversation. Yeah. You're a bum. Who cares? That's, I mean, we're all bums. That's a and, and so this is the idea 
you know, it, it shouldn't be personal, right? And But I, I feel like you probably feel like I do. You know, uh, I talked to Ed Smith the other day. He's like, no, there's, you know, uh, if you work for uh, GE, it doesn't matter where you go, you're on the clock. You represent GE. But I think from a political standpoint, politicians need to be able to say whatever they want, whether they're in favor of communism or taxation or socialism or, or, or killing the region or whatever. As soon as you say, ah, 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 you can't talk about Jesus. You can't talk about, and, you know, I've used this, beat this example to death. I'm in favor of same-sex marriage. Uh, you know, if you want to change your sexual parts and put new ones on, I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, you know, I, I've got the other part of the argument that goes, well, wait a second. Let's not force a 10-year-old into estrogen puberty instead of testosterone puberty. Let, you, you can't get a fucking tattoo until you're 18, but you, you can chop your parts off and put new ones on. So, but if you want to do that when you're old enough, I'm all for it. But if I come down and say uh, the traditional uh, families are more successful for the children than single family homes, well, as it turns out, maybe gay marriages are probably more successful because they tend to be more educated and higher wage earners. But if I, if I come out and say my religion uh, leads me to not uh, support same-sex marriage, that doesn't automatically make me a hate-filled homophobe. You know, and, and this whole this whole media... You know, Andy goes international with this nude. I said nude. Now, I fell for this. I tweeted out, I'm going to start signing all my email and, and tweets with a pornographic image. Now, I also made the point a few weeks ago, if I send out an image of me sitting on a chair naked with my legs open, there's not one media person or not one counselor, not one person in the public that would say that's pornographic. It's a nude. So don't tell, you know, yeah, so we, we're I, fighting an uphill battle against a lot of these things. And Andy's a bum. Oh, great. You, you know, great. We're all so, fucking bumps. So, but, you know, I'll, I'll back you up just a little bit on it. So my point is going back. I think politicians need the freedom to be able to say whatever they want politically. You know, if you're not breaking the law. So but here's here's what I go back to. We are absolutely 100 percent entitled to be judged and voted out or voted in. Based like on me. whatever I did, Don't 100%. Like I get into a fight at a bar, and you got it on video, and it goes viral. That is 100% uh, uh, fair game in the political uh, world to judge me as fit for office, mm -hmm. right? It's not necessary to take a code of conduct complaint forward through the code of conduct process because you disagree with my opinion or my, my beliefs. Or I want, to cor I want to correct your opinions by making you say different things. And that's where we get into this this sort of issue with the official capacity and the uh, when can you use the code of conduct? And so and, and, the part of, and let's go on another another Who draws side, the right? Line with the... Um, uh, some of my colleagues have other jobs. They have full time jobs and they do the regional counselor stuff part time. And if they are doing something in those jobs that could be uh, problematic for them, or they get into a fight or an argument with a customer or with a supplier. And then the supplier calls a code of conduct complaint on them. Mm. Under this current regime, that would be absolutely legitimate. And that's that's not uh, helpful either. Because there has to be a differentiation between the official capacity that you're working in and what you're doing in your private personal life. Your private personal life is 100% fair game for determining whether you're fit to be uh, elected or not. But it's not a code of conduct issue. And that's what mm. I'm trying to get to. If, if the code of conduct says be respectful for each other and I'm not respectful to you, then okay, yeah, give me a code of conduct complaint and say I wasn't respectful. 
I will also say that's really hard for elected official because there's a lot of people who I don't respect, but I try to be respectful with them, right? And that's and that's always the it, respect the is not guaranteed. Yeah. You, it, there's no you can't make me respect you. Yeah. There's no freaking way, and and so it's, you and can't that's why legislate respect no, either. But you can you can legislate people to act respectfully. Some so you can aren't you, worth my respect. You can you don't have to respect them. You just have to be respectful. So this is why I say, oh, go back to the same-sex marriage, or, or as an example. My uh, religion may not agree with same-sex marriage. I personally am completely indifferent, right? I, I it's, it's not an issue for me. Um, if someone asked me, would I attend a gay marriage? Absolutely, 100%. Um, do I want to get married to another man? I personally don't, but whatever floats your boat, you know? Uh, that's not my issue. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's not. I, I, I really, I am indifferent. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I am absolutely indifferent. It's, it's not my marriage. The trials and tribulations I've had in my marriage have not changed one iota since they allowed gay marriage. It's mm -hmm. not threatening my marriage in any way, shape, or form. So anyone who says that is being disingenuous. Um, but I understand the religious aspects of it. My point is, is that if uh, there is a couple that is gay, and I was on a tour at this one I was just at, uh, with um, uh, one of the, the ladies was talking about her wife and all that. I was absolutely, we had a great discussion about science fiction and the best shows on Netflix coming and forthcoming and been on there. Mm -hmm. And it wouldn't, I'm completely respectful of her choices. And that's the other thing is that I, you don't shun someone. So it's actually, it's a, it's a balancing act to manage those expectations. I don't impose my view on anyone, right? But I feel every right to share my view. Mm. Right, and that's that's the issue. I can't impose, and this was the other argument. I can't impose my view with a tweet. I can share my view with a tweet, but that doesn't impose it on anyone. Don't follow me. Don't look at my tweet. Don't yeah. Don't follow <laughs> me on Facebook. So this is this is where we get into this this dichotomy. And the other thing that would make it a little bit easier, I think, is when you're talking about um, the official capacity and what you're doing. I think it also helps clarify a lot of the whole issue around employer uh, um, counselor expenses, right? If you're doing something in your official capacity, there is an expense included. Is this Nunziata right? driving the 1010 official capacity? Uh, he is there as a regional counselor. He wasn't. Damn a, straight it is. Wasn't why there. Is, I talked hey, to listen. McConnell the other day on this. He's like, why is everyone drinking the Kool-Aid? Sorry, Tommy, if I'm talking out of turn. But, like, so, this is just like bandwagon jumping. I, asked, like, I, I asked figured Sandy, it out. There's a very, very, very easy test. Four thousand bucks. were you invited on Jerry Hagar before you got elected? His answer was no. I was not on Jerry Agar as a regular contributing guest until I got elected. Do they introduce you as a regional counselor? Every, Every time. time. Every time. Every break. And do you mention Niagara? So I'm going to tell you, when we talk about lobbying, the all, cheapest the people, advertising going. all the people who listen and make decisions mm. in, in Toronto, in everyone Stoke. at Queen's Park, Listens to 1010 every day, and Jerry Agar is the, the, the topic of choice for everyone preparing for question period, for everyone preparing really? for briefing notes. He's absolutely. conservative too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. But everyone knows, especially well, the on the other side, well, the other side knows that that's going to be the question of the day coming into question period. So if you don't think that that's effective, and, and let's, let's back it out a little bit, costs about $150 a mileage for him to go there and back. He probably uses, I don't know. Hundred dollars worth of gas. I don't know what it costs now to drive from in. It's a weekly trip, right? It's a, he does it once a week. One hundred fifty dollars there and back. If you were to advertise in mileage, you mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. He gets one hundred fifty dollars in mileage. mileage expense. Right. If you were to advertise, even the you know the thing where it says announces the, the news and get your company mentioned, 